I have incredible people that are doing things that they believe in and they need somebody to champion that cause and and they need a loud voice to do that and I will do that for them every opportunity that I have. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Modern Learners Podcast. This is number 49 in which Missy and I talk with Dr. Joe Sanfilippo who is the superintendent of the Fall Creek School District in Fall Creek, Wisconsin. We think you are going to really enjoy this conversation with Joe who is such a dynamic leader who keeps the focus on learning and who always affirms and supports the work of his teachers and all learners in the organization. So enjoy, and we look forward to your comments on the blog about this podcast, or as always, reach out through social media at, at Modern Learners on Twitter and on the Modern Learners Facebook page. So without any further delay, let's get into our conversation with Joe. Welcome back to the Modern Learners Podcast. Lynn and Missy are taking over again this time, and we are super excited because we have Joe Sanfilippo from Fall Creek here with us. And if you haven't heard about the hashtag Go Crickets or heard about the work that Joe does, um, you're in for a treat because I'm sure he's going to take us on a wild ride. But Joe is with us because our focus this month in Modern Learners Community is on relationships. And Joe is all about relationships, and we want to dig in really deep with Joe and talk about the impact of relationships on learning and um, what that really means. So Awesome. Well, thank you very much for having me today. I appreciate the opportunity, and we're going to have a great time. So. And we're playing we, a game. He's holding up the bracelet. So every time he does that. Oh, was I? I'm sorry. I was, so, is that, is that a good... Is that a Go Crickets bracelet? I, I am so sorry. I didn't. Oh, those Go, go Crickets things. It's, they're just everywhere. Joe, so before we got on, we were talking about um, you being the relationships guy. And I mm-hmm. asked you, um, because of all your travels, you've been in uh, five states last week. And then mm-hmm. today, this week, you're in Illinois. Next week, you're going to Pennsylvania. And you have your own district to get started and kicked off the school year for. So in all of that um, relationship talk, do you ever get tired of being known as the relationships guy? That's uh, th- that's a great question. And like, again, and uh, in all seriousness, thank you for, for having me. And, and, you know, here's the thing about, about, about the work that we do that I honestly, when it comes down to the work that happens, the work that we do, I am just really, really loud. That's it. That's all I do. Like I have, I have incredible people that are doing things that they believe in and they need somebody to champion that cause and, and they need a loud voice to do that. And I will do that for them every opportunity that I have because the work that they do is astounding. And, you know, we were talking when it comes to the relationship piece and why we do, we do all these traveling things and that kind of thing. One of the things that was really important for me is when I talked to, I talked to my staff about it, uh, about, you know, what we were doing and where, where we were going and that kind of thing. And they asked me like, you know, so, what's the, what's the vision that you see moving forward? And I just told them like, it's not my vision. It never was my vision. I'm just, you know, renting this space right now to help you get to wherever, you know, wherever we want to go moving forward. And I said, the vision that I have for you is not really a vision. It's more of a hope. And the hope that I have for all of you is that you feel the way that I feel when I talk about you. 
That's it. That's all I want for you. I want you to feel the way that I feel when I talk about the incredible work that you do. That's all I want. And when it comes down to the work that happens, all I'm thinking about, all I'm doing, all I'm trying to do is to, to, to not only build relationships with the people that I have in my care in Fall Creek, Wisconsin, but also create relationships with other groups that my people can get to so their connections grow and grow and grow and grow. And I have to be honest, like when, I t- when our people go to a conference and, and, and everybody knows who they are because they've got their Go Cricket stuff on, and when they stop them and they want to take a picture with them and they stop them and they fill their room and their room that they're going to present in is full before they get there, that's a big deal for me because our people should be treated like that because they work like that. And so I don't ever, I don't ever get sick of being the relationships guy as long as the relationships that we're cultivating are moving people forward to get better at the work that they do. And, and, I do, and I believe that that's kind of the case in, in terms of what we're trying to get done here. Right. So talk to me a little bit about what it means to you and your colleagues at Fall Creek and the students, because I know you care a lot about the student voice. But what, yeah. what does it mean when you say moving forward and the work that we do? What, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So... So the when it, when I think about moving forward in the work that we do, I think a lot of times it, it it translates into what are we exploring together as a group, and what are people individually trying to look at in terms of what their learning looks like. So we talk about we talk about ownership of learning a lot, okay, and and everybody talks about ownership of learning a lot. My contention is this, and I don't know if it's the popular contention, but my contention is this, and that is that that teachers don't feel comfortable letting students own learning until they understand what owning learning means for them. So when you allow the adults to own the learning in the space, they're much more likely to let the, the students own the learning because they know what it feels like to have ownership of that process. Now in Fall Creek, Wisconsin, because we've started this process where we own the learning and we own our professional development, and then we send out a survey at the end of the year that says, how do you like this process? Do you think this process makes you a better teacher? And on that survey, 94% of that survey says we agree or strongly agree that this makes us a better pro- a better teacher. Now we can have a, 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 a that, now that's a story starter, that's a conversation starter with that group in two capacities. One, how does this translate to student learning? And two, if it's not translating to student learning, then why is it not? Because you love the learning that you have. You love the ownership of learning. Why is that not transferring to our other learners in our space? Because if the only people learning in your world, in your school, if the only people that are learning are ages 4 to 18, you're doing it wrong. We have to make sure that we're, we're, creating, we're creating learners at all levels. And if we create inquisitive minds, that, and I shouldn't say it like that, that's an awful way to say it. If we're giving inquisitive minds the opportunity to be inquisitive and learn, then, we give, then those adults will then transfer that learning or that process to kids. So my mantra, which I say all the time, and I've said it for a long time, is I'm not asking you to change, I'm asking you to learn. Yeah. And when I, when I became a principal, when I became a principal, I was in an environment where people thought I was trying to change them. Right. And in reality, I was just asking questions and posing um, questions that people could explore. And I never underestimated the power of that personal learning. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important because at Modern Learners, we're really intentional about the language. And so we, we never use personalized learning because we believe that that's learning um, that's done to you. 
And we believe mm -hmm. that personal learning is something that we take ownership of and really seek that out. So I'm really, I'm really glad to hear that you really cultivate a culture of learning for mm -hmm. everyone in the culture and not, um, not just teachers and staff, um, or not just students, but also yeah, teachers right. and staff. Um, and you, you put that learning on display. Like I saw yeah. the thing, the, what do you, what do you call that at the end of the year? The showcase? Oh, yeah. The street fair. So, so that's okay. So that, and I was just going to talk about that. That's, that's, that's like a nice segue into the kind of what we're thinking about when it comes to learning is that I, we think, and, and we have to understand this is always we, cause this is a, this is a staff driven process for us because we have teachers that have been part of this process for the last six years in terms of building what this really looks like. And so what we wanted to do was create an opportunity for people to, to, to demonstrate their learning in a way that would value their time and effort. So here's what would happen. So I don't want to say that this happens in every school district in, in the world, but I, I think that this, is, this, is, this happens more often than not. And what happens is people go through the year, the adults go through the year, and they learn and they do great learning and whatever. And then at the end of the year, they have to write down some sort of reflection that tells the, somebody else that they learned something. So what do they do? They write down this reflection for the person, for the audience that they're writing it for, which is usually the administrator. So they're writing down everything that they think the administrator wants to hear to prove that they learned something. Which, you know, so that's what happened with us over the course of the last couple of years. And I was reading these things. And the first thing that I read was like, that's really cool that you're learning. And that's fantastic. And I love the learning. And I, I would text these people as I was reading these reflections, because they would all turn their reflections into me as a superintendent. And I would read through them. And I would read them and I'd text them like, this is awesome. This is fantastic. This must have been a really great experience for you. But then inherently behind the scenes of that, I kept thinking to myself, they learn, but they're writing this for me. They're writing this because they, they, they're writing it to, to, to prove that they learned to me. And it just doesn't seem authentic. So we, what we did this year was we decided we're going to demonstrate our learning in some capacity, but it doesn't need to be a reflection to me, right? It needs to be a demonstration of learning to your colleagues. So think about this. Once the audience changes, the project changes. So now it's no longer a project for me. No, no longer uh, they're writing the reflection for me. Now it's their colleagues. So at the end of the year, we had this street fair where we set it up like a vendor hall at a conference where we had tables set up all over the gym. And we had rotations where people would go and they'd go to a table and you just had your demonstration of learning th for throughout the course of the year on the table. It could have been a podcast. It could have been a video. It could have been a demonstration. It could have been a, a box. It could have been like we had breakout EDU boxes and Sphero global Sphero challenges and octagons of death that we drove Sphero's in all kinds of stuff. It didn't matter, right? We had, uh, we had a seventh grade group that, that uh, had kids make their own um, business that was selling worms, little things like that. They're all over the place, right? Like we had this whole array of things, but they're all on display. And then, <coughs> excuse me, then we just had people go around and talk to the people at that space about the learning that took place. And when you have to demonstrate your learning to your colleagues, there is no out. There are, you, nobody wants to look foolish in front of their colleagues. So when the audience changes, it looks different. And now you take it to the next level. And instead of just allowing people to do, demonstrate their knowledge to their colleagues, what if you live stream that? And when you live stream it, what if 22,000 people watch it? So now when you go back and you say, not only are, is your audience your colleagues, but 22,000 people watch this live stream. So now your audience is the world. And when your audience is the world, you treat that project a heck of a lot differently than if one bald dude in an office on a Saturday is reading through your stuff. 
And you are bald. <laughs> I am. That's right. That's right. For those people on the podcast, I am not having hair. <laughs> Lynn, what my, are you thinking? My question about that type of environment, which I think, as you said, is very motivating for most people. How do you approach the people who are not willing to engage in that type of scenario for whatever reason, for their own learning, that's not a source of comfort for them. Oh. How, do you, how do you, you know, coach that right. type of teacher, or, you know, mm -hmm. that type of learner? So we tell them that, that, that they just need to demonstrate their learning in some capacity. It doesn't matter how they do it. Like you're going to have to do it in some capacity. If that's a, if like, like we had some, one, one person wrote a book, like that was her demonstration of learning. So she didn't want to be out doing a bunch of stuff. She wrote a, she wrote a book. That was her thing. Like she wrote a book and they published it and she published it. It actually, it comes out. She just got the first copy of it this week. Like it comes out in a couple of weeks. She published a book. So, so on her table, what it was her table. It was a book. That's it. That's all. That's her demonstration of learning. So it's, so it's different. A, it's a personal endeavor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But here's the thing that you have to have. The, I mean, this is a tough guy. Like you could, we could go all on the other side of that and say, well, I understand if you're not willing to learn this, how are we going to work with your students now that you're not going to require them to present in front of the class? And they say, what do, what do you mean? Well, well, you're, you're not willing to do this. So we should probably talk about what you're going to do with your students because you're not going to make them do it then, are you? I mean, come on. Right. I mean, you could do that, but we don't have to because we have this conversation about like, what does it mean to just value this time? And and when it when it comes to now, when we did that, I should tell you that, like when we did that, we sent out 60 surveys at the end of it, 60 surveys to see if this is something that we should continue. Is the street we asked the question, is the street fair something that we should continue? We got 53 surveys back. 100 percent of those surveys said yes. 100 percent. So when 100% of your surveys come back like that, it's something you got to figure out a way to do. There, the, to answer your question, though, Lynn, there will be people that'll have that conversation, and I have to be willing. If I'm if if I'm so high on this activity, I have to be willing to say if your demonstration of learning needs to be a conversation with this with the two of us or with a small group, I have to be willing to have that conversation with them and say, all right, let's let's do that, and I'll I'll do that with you. That's fine because everybody's A to B is different, but that's your A now. Now, next year, we got to get you to B. What can we do to help you get to whatever that next level is? Because the work that you're doing is valuable. And the problem that we're having is that you don't want to share your work because you're afraid of what people are going to say about your work. Otherwise, you'd share it in a heartbeat. People right. are, it's, like, it's like pictures, right? People will take out their phone and share pictures of their kids until they're blue in the face because they're proud of them. Everybody will do that, of pictures that they're proud of. But, but when it comes to work that they're not proud of, they don't want to share it. And I get that. But we got to move people in a different capacity. But we also have to be willing to say, I'm okay with where you're at right now, but we are going to move on some level. So I think that all comes back to the culture and the level of, um, you know, the fact that you create a space where it's a very judgment-free type mm -hmm. of learning environment, which is typically what we want also for our learners. Um, my question about, um, you know, just for everyone listening, how, what year are you in terms of your superintendency? Like how long have you been superintendent there? This is my seventh superintendent year. Okay. And so when I got there, I was the fifth superintendent in six years. I love so, this story. Yeah. He says, right. <laughs> he says, they told me to rent, not buy. If <laughs> <laughs> you did, I bought. I'm not very smart. But you know, but we're seven years into this thing, but into, in terms of the 
pers- personal, you, you would call it personal learning in terms of the personal learning for our adults, then we are five years into that process. And that process started by us grabbing a group of teachers and saying to them, I, I just, I need people to learn. That's it. I need people to learn. I need people to understand that it's okay to learn. And then we took that group of five. And once we took that group of five and gave them ownership of the process, which is a non-judgmental process, you know, if you take part in this activity, that like that's it, like just taking part in it. It's not like you have to attain a 15% growth rate with your students at X, Y, or Z. It's how are you getting better as an instructor? And everybody's, you know, A to B is different in that, in that world. You have to be willing as an administrator, though, to say, okay, that's your A to B. All right, I'm okay. But now your B is your new normal. So let's move forward. Even if you felt like they could have made more growth from A to B to start with, right? Because it's not your journey. It's theirs. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people in, who listen to these conversations and, and inside uh, Modern Learners community with those conversations, they always want to know how do we even start this and mm-hmm. this type of learning for everyone in the in the building. But then also we've acknowledged time and time again that this takes years of crafting and building relationships with everyone, with teachers, with community members, with parents, with students, um, and that it's not something that can happen overnight. And, and then, you know, another thing I'd love to hear your thoughts on are this idea of in leadership circles, you know, as I was prepping to become a principal, you heard about teacher buy-in, teacher buy-in, you need buy-in to push initiatives. And it was always such a hierarchical power type of approach where if I am expected to roll something out at a managerial level, I need the buy-in of my teachers. But I think there's quite a difference between something like buy-in versus something like trust. So I'd Mm -hmm. love to hear from you, you know, where do you really see buy-in versus something like trust with the differences and how you would approach something like that. Yeah. So, okay. So that's, I, I love that question because I, I don't, I guess, I guess I don't believe in buy-in because it's not, it's not, if it, if it's buy-in, it's, it's buy-in to my idea and they don't own it. I believe in ownership. Right. And so now having said that, there's a, there are like, there are, there's management and leadership when it comes to this. Like, you don't have to buy into the fact that the state needs you to fill out this form. Like, I don't need to have everybody buy. I need everybody to do it. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, we need to have ownership of what the learning is. So we treat those very, very differently when it comes to that work. So here's how I, here's when it comes to working with your group and how to, how to get them into that spot. I, I, I truly believe that all groups are built into, into five subsets. Okay, and 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 they they're divided by depending on the initiative. It depends, but but they're all like and every. I think there's so there's so much research to back that up in terms of like like Schlechty would cut up, would call them like the trailblazers, pioneers, standard by stay at homes. Like Everett Rogers is innovators, early adopters, early. It doesn't matter. There's five levels, right? So I wasn't that smart, so I just labeled them one, two, three, four, and five. So here's what here's the thing about this process. Like when you have these levels, these so. The easiest way to explain it is like with your, like if, if you would say to, to a group of people, I need you to run through that wall, right? The group, the first group, the ones would be like, they just start running. They wouldn't even think about it. They just start running. Like they'd hit the wall, they'd run, they'd run, they'd run, they'd run, and they'd get hurt and they'd get hurt and they'd get hurt, but they'd do everything they could to get through that wall. But not because they love you or they love the idea. They just think you did it. You said it. So I got to go. The group, the second group's like, mm, I love the idea. I want to get recognition for being one of the first people through, but I don't want to be first. 
So I'm going to let that guy run through that wall and take all the hits. And then I'm going to go through and push him through at the end. It's like the person that piles on the, on the tackle on the, on the pile at the end of a football game, you know, like you tile on the, on the top of a, you know, so they get credit for the tackle. And then the third group is like, the third group's like, I love my dinosaur lessons. So I'm going to stay right here with my dinosaur lessons. And here's what's going to happen. I know that they're going to go through that wall. And as soon as those two groups get through the wall and they carve out a little space and it's all trimmed out and swept up, as long as it's wide enough for me to bring my dinosaur lessons, I'm going to go over there, but I'm going to bring some of my stuff with me to get to the other side. The fourth group says, you know what? I don't want to go. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to walk over to that wall as slowly as I can because my hope is there's going to be a new leader in place by the time I get there. And there's going to be another wall over here that I might like a little bit better. So I'm just going to say, I'm going to wait. And then the fifth group's like, you know what? I don't want to go. You can't make me go. I'm going to, not only am I not going to go, I'm going to take every brick in this district and I'm going to put it up against that wall before the first group starts running through it. So they get hurt along the way. Okay. So you have all of these groups and, it, and what we want to do is we want to try to find a way to give all of them ownership in some capacity. The level five group didn't just end up there. They didn't just end up there. They were hurt. They were hurt a lot. And the reason that they don't want to go is because they were hurt. And so there's no trust there. So how can we help people move up at least one level and move those ones back one level because they don't need, they don't have any opinion leadership. That first group that, that we often give this ownership to say, let's run with this, run with this. They don't have any opinion leadership because the, everybody in the organization knew they were going to go no matter what. It doesn't matter. They're just going to go. You tell them that, you know, that, that green bottles are the new thing. And if everybody uses green bottles, they're going to increase their test size, their test scores by 15%. <gasps> green bottles. Everybody go get a green bottle. Let's do this. Let's, we can't do that to people. We got to figure out different ways for them to work through it. So when it comes to owning it, you have to find where everybody's at in that level and try to move them up one level to make sure that they can go through and own a, a piece of that process. Because your biggest ownership groups are twos and threes right now because you have ownership uh, one level above you and one level below you. The fives aren't hanging out with the ones. The ones aren't hanging out with the fives. They're just not doing it. So you got to be able to connect groups along the way to try to have them own that process. And that starts with, are they willing to trust that the other, the stuff on the other side of that wall is worth having a conversation about? Doesn't mean that they're going to love it, but is it worth having a conversation about? And if they feel like it's worth having a conversation about and they trust you to take them there, then they will go. Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Modern Learners Podcast. If you're listening today, it's likely because you understand that we have a real need for change in our schools and that we owe it to our learners to think differently about what school is and what it can be. Modern Learners Community is the home for global educational leaders who are igniting the movement to fully reimagine the school experience for all learners. If you are someone who is in a position of educational leadership or who someday aspires to be, and you want to surround yourself with others doing this difficult and vital work, we invite you to join us in Modern Learners Community. I'm Lynn Hilt, the Community Manager of MLC, and our Learning Commons will help ensure you're using your professional learning time to the fullest. MLC offers carefully curated content to help you find signal among the noise, thought-provoking questions and discussions with inspiring community members who are serious about change, live events and access to the Modern Learners team, and a circle of critical friends who will help you reimagine the school experience for the learners in your schools. When you become a member of Modern Learners community, you will be challenged, you will be heard, you will question, you will gain clarity, and you will learn. 
Visit modernlearners.com slash ML community and click subscribe now to request your invitation to MLC. After doing so, we'll be in touch about how you can join in our movement. And we are so confident that you will find incredible value in making MLC your preferred learning destination that we offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. Let's create a whole new experience of school together. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Okay, my question for you. What about your leadership team? What are, what are they working on learning and um, how are they modeling that learning as mm-hmm. well? And, and you, what are you learning? Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a really great question. We're really good at podcasts. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. You guys are fantastic. That's a, that's a um, yeah, man. That that one kind of hit me, Missy, because like I like I think that there's a there's a um, part of me that sometimes puts my head down and goes. And what I want to do for my people is provide the opportunity to learn, but I don't want to tell them what to learn. So I keep, I, I ask them, what is it that you need? I, I, when, I, when I ask my leadership team to do something new, I always ask them three things. What, what kind of time do you need? What kind of resources do you need? And what, it, and what kind of opportunity do you need to connect with other people? Time, resource, opportunity. So any new initiative at any level gets those three components every time, always, no matter what. How, what time do you need? What resources can I help you find? And what opportunities do you need to connect with other people that can make this easier for you? Because I don't know everything, right? And I think we found ourselves in such a, a, when it comes to our leadership team, we found ourselves in such a great position because we're connected that if we want to talk to somebody about a certain initiative, we probably have a connection within the context of that initiative. You know, if we want to talk, if we want our people to talk about, you know, uh, a changing you know, how we, how we teach reading, it's, you know, 1-800-PER-NIL-RIP. Like you just get on the phone and call her because we can have that conversation. If you want to talk about culture, it's, hey, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Costas, this is Joe. Can you talk to my team about this? So I think we found ourselves in a, in a situation where we can, we can, I, I try to be the conduit when it comes to that. So when you're asking me what I'm learning specifically um, the best book that I have read over the course of the last six months is, uh, is the power of moments by Chip and Dan Heath. Oh my God. And I just, Super yeah, great. Okay, good. And I think, and I think that the reason that I like that so much is because it applies to everything that we do when it comes to how are we making sure that we, that, that, that we're creating these moments for people in our organization. And their contention is that, that two things happen to, to create a, a time where you remember a moment. And one is the peak or pit of the event, which we can't always control because it's peak or pit. It's everybody reacts to something differently. But the other component is the end. So what I tell our people is you can't control peak or pit, but you can control the end very often. So how are we making sure that we control the end of a conversation so the next conversation that they have with somebody shines a positive light on the work that happens here? Yeah, very. I love that book, too, uh, mm-hmm. all about creating the experience. Correct, yeah. And I think that powerful learning moments are experiences that are often not forgotten. And the, the danger in that, though, is um, – always trying to create a moment Mm -hmm. and um and we need to make sure that we're creating a collective experience Mm -hmm. but i think what what Mm -hmm. i have watched you do is create multiple moments that become the collective experience and that's what 
that's what your work and the work of the Fall Creek people is known for, because mm -hmm. you are known for creating moments. And then you do that, like you said, ahead of your staff, and then they get to an event and there's people there because they are looking for that experience. The people who are there and waiting are looking to repeat that experience because you've created mm -hmm. the moment. And what you're really doing is giving your colleagues the opportunity to continue that moment and to create um, an all-encompassing experience that continues beyond the one moment. And that's yeah. when learning really happens. I hope so. I think the it's one of the biggest things for us is how are we making sure that our people get that opportunity to do something special, because those are the moments that they're going to remember. So you know, and if I'm, to recreate. yeah, that's true. You know, so if if I'm going to a conference now, like if if I if if somebody comes and asks me to speak at at a conference, like you know, I'm, I'm going to do like a, if it's at ICE in Illinois or um, or McCall in Michigan are two of the ones that we're doing this year. I'm asking those directors to I'll come and speak, but I also want two I want two sessions for my people, and they're going to come and talk, and they're going to go present, and we're going to crush it. We're going to fill that room. We are going to crush it. And they are going to add, people are going to ask for pictures and they're going to want go cricket skier. And my people are going to walk around with their chest puffs out around that conference. Like they own it. That's for yeah. our people, man. And what I think is interesting about that um, is that it closes the questioning gap mm -hmm. for you. It adds a layer of credibility to the work mm -hmm. that you're doing. Oh and, yes. And, and one of the things that, um, so because I've known you for a while now, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about your work is that you are definitely the relationships guy, but you do create the relationships that you encourage other people to do. And, mm -hmm. and that's evident in even just the action of saying, I'll, I'm happy to present, but I want my people to come too, yeah. um, because it really adds to it, it's that multiple perspective sharing the same story. So it adds more credence to the work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really awesome. Well, go, one thing before we like, the idea is that we have to keep in mind is if we're going to model what that really looks like, like I said, like we started the podcast out with, I want my people to feel the way that I feel when I talk about them. So what better way to do that than put them in the place where I talk about them. And then, they walk down and pe people want to be around them. People want to take pictures with them. People want to ask them questions. People want to do all of this stuff because they know they're from, they're from Fall Creek, Wisconsin, man. We're talking about, there are 1300 people in this village. There are 825 kids in this school. That's it. And, and we're talking and, and we're getting a chance to, to go on, on that stage. Hell, we'll do that all day, man. You give our people the opportunity. They will crush it every single time. Every time, every time. But guess what? Here's the other part about that that we didn't talk about is if they're going to go present, we're going to talk first, right? We're going to talk about what does it mean to storytell. We're going to talk about what a slide design look like. We're going to talk about what does it mean to engage the audience. We're going to talk about making sure that what kind of resources do you have so when they leave, they can talk to you about more stuff that they're doing. We're going to talk about all that stuff because all of our names are on this thing. And if, we are, and if, they, get, if they have that confidence when they walk in, whoo. Look out, man. Look out. We're going to run that place. And, and what, they're, what they're communicating, and I never want to lose sight of this, but what your people and you are communicating about is learning. Yeah, Always. without question. Always. Always about learning. And that's, that's not the case. You are not, and I, <laughs> I do not, I, this is not a judgment, but I don't hear you bragging all up on your test scores and we're a five-star rating and whatever. And I'm not, I have no idea because it doesn't matter because 
you do the work that matters because mm -hmm. your work is learning. And I think that that's something that so often people underestimate. Um, or, or not even underestimate, but they, they don't ne necessarily recognize it. You're fun, you're exciting, you have great slides, you, you have great speakers. But what you're always communicating in every step of the way is learning. And, and if it's not student learning, it's adult learning. And it doesn't matter, it's just plain learning. Yep. Um, really quickly, I want to talk about um, the role of compliance. And I, we work with a lot of school leaders who often we hear them say, I don't even know how to, to begin this journey with my staff. I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I think they're going to think I'm crazy or they're not going to do the work that I think. And I don't know. They often wonder about how to give them the freedom that you mentioned um, to sort of pursue their own learning while also getting at the district initiatives. And what, what is your response to sort of the push and pull of compliance? Um, well, I think you have to, I think we, we chose to get out in front of it in some capacity. So, and we kind of took a risk with the state just saying like, we're going to do this. What do you think? And then, and it ended up, it was actually started as a merit pay process that they were looking at. And so we just said, this is what we're doing for our compliance, for our, for our process what do you think? And they were all over and they started using it as a model. So it helped us out that we were just saying, we're, we're still meeting the, you know, the educator effectiveness model in terms of, I mean, like if we're talking about professional learning, like that's, 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 you know, domain four of everything that we're talking about. So instead of having them write a bunch of reflections, why not just have them upload into their evidence, the work that they've been doing all year and what that really looks like. And if we're still signing off on it from a, from a local standpoint, then we know what that process really looks like. Now, do, do we still go through the walkthrough process? Absolutely. Yeah, we certainly do that. But that's not demonstrating their learning. That's part of the process that you're talking about when it comes to compliance. There are some things that you have to do. Like I would love to, like we said, we're not talking about unicorns and rainbows all the time. You know, we can't do that with the business department. People don't get paid. They're going to get freaked out. Right. So we got to think about like, there are some things that just have to be done and and if, if, if some things have to be done, but you're still allowing them to provide their own opportunity to learn on the, on, you know, in, in, you know, coherence with that, I guess, or alongside of it or parallel to that, and you're still giving them ample time, resource, and opportunity to do that, then they're still, they're okay with the compliance part of it, right? But it comes down to whether or not they trust whether or not, whether you're going to help them move forward or not. So we always talk about culture first, always, no matter what, it's always about culture and culture comes down to trust for us. And that's it. Do people trust? Now, are there people in Fall Creek, Wisconsin that really aren't real high on the Joe show or they don't want to do, you know, they're not ready to go into a different, absolutely, absolutely. And we'll have conversations with them about that. But I, But it's not like they're not doing what we need to do to get better. They're all getting better. They're all getting better at whatever level they feel comfortable at getting better. And they're all meeting compliance. But at the same time, we, how are we making sure that, that we're allowing them the opportunity to grow on their own in, you know, in, in parallel with the other work that has to be done? And like when it came like the PDP process in Wisconsin, we just said for, for your PDP process in Wisconsin, which was a compliance item, let's just make sure that your professional growth goal aligns to that. And so I shouldn't say that let's, you have the option of doing that. So you don't have to do double. The work. If you choose not to, that's your choice, but let's make sure that it's aligned to that in some capacity. So we help coach them along that line. Mm -hmm. But so, so that's never your real, that's never your, that's never what you're 
starting with? No, never, never. In fact, we don't even start with data. That which is probably not. I mean, maybe there's yeah, a lot of people that would be upset about that. that. Yeah, right. Like, like. <laughs> so I mean, we don't because, and I think we're in a different position because we're you know. So let's say we have 70 kids in third grade, okay? And we look at the data from the third grade year in terms of their star data or their test data or whatever, and it says that they're, they're struggling in a certain area. Well, what, next year, when the kids come back, there could be three kids move out and four kids move in. It's going to mess up our data set. And the next thing you know, we're looking at improving a group of kids that don't need to be proved in that area. So our task was saying we could do that and miss a bunch of times, or we could just create you know, the opportunity for teachers to be better teachers. And then whoever comes into their stay will have the opportunity to connect on a better level because we're just not into the, like when it comes to the test score stuff and the data stuff, like we tell our district every year, like if we get named like a, not an innovative, like a district of distinction or one of those, you know, whatever, whatever the stars are. So we get the, we get those. And then, and we've always been like at the higher level, you know, meets or exceeds exceeds expectations that's what it is not significant we've never been significantly exceeding but we need exceeds expectations we send a letter to the community and say we exceed expectations but this does not define us as a group in fact some of the things that we're doing may actually reduce our score but it's going to give a kid a better experience so we get out in front of that when we when we're performing at a high level and then we kind of move through it and, and try to explain it moving forward so love that yeah so that's maybe. the new story yeah, yeah so yeah, really. and it it, it reminds me of because you're what you, the Joe show and mm-hmm. <laughs> you are just overwhelmingly positive. I think about Will Will's post from a couple of weeks ago about this willingness we have to be affirmed. You know, we go to a conference, we want to hear people like you building us up. Teachers need that, you know, other principals need it, superintendents need it. But at what point do we are we able to build such a positive learning culture that we can then push people to be disturbed as he asks. So do you find yourself now after seven years in a space where you can really start to challenge people's thinking about what learning is or what, you know, good teaching looks like and what you really want to see for your um, students. And part of it is you being open and saying, look, these scores don't define us and we might be doing things that actually, you know, cause our scores to be less. That's a, that's a piece of it. Um, But do you find it easier in a culture like the one you've built with your team to have more difficult conversations about where you are and where you want to go. Yeah. I think it still comes back to trust and whether or not you can have a real conversation with them about where they're at and be crit. You can be, you can still be critical. I mean, this is the irony of putting out a post like that is probably looking at how many views it gets to see if people are changing their process. Right. So you're looking for the affirmation on the post that you wrote about not having affirmation. Right. I mean, let's be honest about that. Right. So let's think about it differently. Let's think about the idea that, you know, when it comes down to that whole situation, you're not able to critically ask anybody or to do something different or work with somebody if they don't trust the way that you're going to talk to them about what that work really looks like. Our job is to create an environment where people can do their best work. Their best work doesn't isn't always the most incredible thing. People think like people I, I love it when people say that that uh that kids fear failure kids don't fear failure kids feel failure when they don't have ownership of the pro- how many people do you know how many kids do you know that played Fortnite this summer that when they died on their first guy they quit nobody, nobody. 
Okay, so when they feel like they can, they can continue, they'll fail all day. They'll fail all day, and a lot of times they'll record it on a skateboard, man. Like, you got to be in a different world with these people and understand that the, the people in your stay, the people that you care for, will fail and fail miserably sometimes if they know you're going to be there to help them move forward. And that affirmation that he's talking about, it, it, it's, it's affirmation of the effort. It's not affirmation of accomplishing the task. Like if they're able yeah. to work forward, then they're going to continue to do that. And I'll, you know, I disagree with that on some level because I'll affirm, I will, I will, I will, I will they, if they want to seek affirmation on the work that they're doing and the effort that they're putting in, I'll give them that all day, all day. And we can still have a conversation about what direction that they need to go. But if we're talking about, are they willing to, if, if I need to be the cheerleader for the work, all day. Give me that. Like, I don't care about that. I want them to, I want them to feel like they can, right? Even when they don't. Yeah. So that's the, that's the interesting part. Um, is, is at what point do, do you think that there's a need for the disruption in the way things are? Because you, you all, you absolutely, Fall Creek is an anomaly in that you're, you're telling the story. You have the freedom to share the learning and the work that's happening. And so it, it feels very much like things in Fall Creek are different. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you think it is that you're doing that's disrupting the status quo in a safe way? Because um, that's essentially what's happening. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 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 And I, we, we disrupt the status quo by allowing the adults that are in the space that we've trusted to, to, to help kids move forward. We're allowing them to learn and treat them like the adults that we hired to help kids learn. You hired adults. You hired adults to do it. You hired adults to be part of a learning community. When you define that, and you say, we're all part of this community that's going to be, that, that are all, we're all going to be learners in some capacity, then they treat it like that when you treat them like adults within the context of what they're doing. If you, if you slam them for their learning, when you don't think it's as much learning as you think they should have done, they're not going to learn anymore. But that's the same thing. But then that models the work that we're trying to do for kids too. It also gives you the opportunity to, to say to them or have a conversation with them if it's not happening in their classrooms, why isn't it happening in your classroom when we talk about it? You know, when we when we trust you and we, we believe in you, why is that not happening? Now, well, let's be real honest about what's happening here, guys. Like the idea, like when the things that we hear about, what you, that people hear about Fall Creek are very positive. Does that mean that we're not working on anything? Absolutely not. But we have three rules as a board. That's it. We have three rules and that is it. We don't talk about scores. We don't talk about uh, where we're going. We don't talk. We make sure that we're financially and fiscally sound, but we have three goals. And that is, and the first one is the answer is always we, no matter what the answer is always we. The second one is that we always keep our dirty laundry in house always. And the last one is we never give up the opportunity to say something great about our school. That's it. You ask any of my board members what the three rules of, the, of, of our board are, they will tell you exactly that. There are things that we're working on on a regular basis basis, right? But sometimes I feel like we're like Apple a little bit where that stuff is so buried. We still want to work on it. But when we come out with a new iPhone, it's going to rock, right? Like we're going to talk about all we're going to get people better at it. But at the same time, there's a distinct level of sharing that we have here that's that's predicated on the idea that we're trying to do great work, but we also want to celebrate the work that's happening. And there are other things that happen throughout the course of time that we just got to keep working at. But you know what that's doing? 
it's it's having a tremendous impact on other people, mm -hmm. um, other other leaders, other learn other teachers, everyone. It's having an impact because they're saying because of all those three rules that you just said, people are saying they're doing it there. Mm -hmm. Why can't we do it here? That's true. And what they so. don't, what they, what I really have seen is that it takes a significant level of trust, not just of the teachers trusting the leadership or the board trusting the superintendent. It takes trust all the way around. Mm -hmm. And that is built, um, built through learning. Yeah. And and I think that that's the that's the piece that I I know that at Modern Learners we overemphasize is the the importance of learning. But we work with people um, who go through a significant amount of learning when when we work with them, and to see that learning is so inspiring and it's so invigorating. And and what I think is important as part of the message that you share is that. Um, you you experience that but with all learning there's a point of friction yeah for sure and the part that um i think that it's important to share is what that point of friction is what what changed because of what you learned mm -hmm. you know i go back to my mantra i'm not asking you to change i'm asking you to learn and i right. think that the thing that we have to do is recognize what's changed so in the light of that joe what do you think has changed in terms of and not not, not necessarily just with with you coming to Fall Creek, but in the in the time that you've been in in Fall Creek, what is one thing that because of the trust that mm -hmm. you've built and the work that you've done, do you think has changed? Oh God, that ownership of learning without question. It's not even just not even close. Like that's that's the easiest and that's the easiest question ever, and it changed because we were. We first of all, first of all, we were afforded the opportunity by the board to allow people to learn and understand that they were going to take on this journey. And then we trusted them to learn. And when they learned and we trusted the opportunity that they, and we trusted them, even though, even if their learning wasn't at the level that we thought it should be or could be or wanted it to be, it was theirs. The journey is theirs, not ours. At that point, they started allowing students to own their learning. And once they kind of were kind of coming back full circle, the idea is that once it came down to it, once we allowed them to own their learning, they knew what it felt like. And when they knew what it felt like, they were willing to, to let kids do that. Because let's think about this rationally for a second. Like the people who work in schools probably had a relatively good experience in schools. And they probably had a relatively good experience in schools learning in a way that worked for them for the last 20, 25 years. Because it worked for them because the teacher that they had made sure that they made a connection in terms of how that, how that learning was done. So then they taught the way that they were, they teach the way that they were taught. And until we can figure out, until we can allow them to change that process and really spin that a little bit, they're not going to. Not because they're not good people but because they don't know any differently because this is what they've done. Let's see about it. if they're, let's say, let's say you're 35 years old, right? You have been in school for 29 years or 30 years. And you're going to tell people to change that process in six months. Are you out of your mind? Let them go through the journey for goodness sakes. Like I haven't run since I've been like 10. You think I'm going to go run a marathon next month? I only run if I'm getting chased. And I'm telling you, and, and then I just have to make sure I'm not last. Like, I, there's no way that, this, that you can just change everything in a heartbeat. Give them the time. Give them the resources. Give them the opportunity. And, and they're going to blow your mind, man. They'll blow your mind. 
And then we spend so much time thinking like, well, you know, what about that one person? That one person's not learning. And when we do our goal days, we have three rules on professional growth goal days. One, I'm sorry, two rules, two, two real rules. What the one first rule is it's not, we're always learning. You have to be doing something new. Okay. So the first rule is you can't grade papers and you can't, and second one is you can't organize your classroom. That's it. That's the only thing that you, that's the only way to do growth goal days wrong in fall Creek, grade papers, organize your classroom. That's it. That's all you can do wrong, right? Because it's about new learning. You're not learning anything new by grading papers or organizing your classroom. You can argue that all day. There's no way you're going to, you're not going to sell me on that. Now, are there people in Fall Creek, Wisconsin, who on professional gold days are grading papers and organizing classrooms? Absolutely. Absolutely. But why am I going to stop these other people that want to just go out and crush it when a couple people decide that that's what they need to do? I'm not going to do that. It's not responsible. Todd Whitaker says you always make decisions based on your best teachers. What are we doing? Make decisions based on your best teachers always. Trust them. And they are going to be able to be the people that work you through. Right. And will you, Joe, just repeat for us last time the third rule that you have, the rule that you end every presentation on? Oh, but we never get up the opportunity to say something great about our school. <laughs> I do and on say that. that note. I say that, I say that often, <laughs> don't I? Yeah. You do. Right? I can actually repeat it for you. And I, I know, think, right? I think it's a great mantra. I think you'll go down in history for that mantra. Yeah, well, it's not a bad thing to go down for. I'll take that all day. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Modern Learners Podcast. We will be back. At some point, not on a regular <laughs> schedule, Thank you know. You guys, hey, keep doing great work and keep inspiring people. And, uh, you know, I think the last thing I want to tell everybody is that the idea is that we're all in this thing together. So whatever you believe, let's just believe it together and try to figure out how we can do better for kids. Okay. Thank you. Thank okay. you.